Hey, this is Pastor Rick. I'm glad you're with me today on this special session where we're going to talk about questions that kids ask the pastor. And so I'm going to let them ask their question and then I'm going to answer it. And we're going to spend some time in the word. And it's just powerful. One of the mistakes I think that churches make is they don't talk to their kids. And so the pastor gets up and church is structured around one format, adult formats, the way we do church, the way we start church, the way we dress for church, the way we encounter. We never sit down and ask questions or allow them to ask questions. I'm a big fan of children and kids, and I believe that one of the things that can help is allowing them to talk to you. So Matthew chapter seven says this, asking it shall be, shall be given, seeking you shall find, knocking the door shall be opened. The Bible opens the door for questions. Jesus supports questions. So here's our first question. Pastor Rick, I have a question. My question is how old the church is. So how old is the church? Well, the church is 47 years old as of 2023. That's right, 47 years old. 47 years ago, a wonderful person named Ernestine Dilworth founded Overcoming by Faith in her home. She was an incredible educator. She loved math and science. She was a gifted person and was really amazing. But really, math was her big thing. And uh, she was... Uh, the mother of three, uh, Diane, uh, Sandra, and Larry, her three kids. And she was amazing. Climbed her way out of the, uh, the younger days of having almost nothing. Moved to Savannah, Georgia. Went through many trials and tests in life, but came out amazing. She was quite, quite special. The church started in her home with a prayer, a prayer uh, meeting. They called the Soul Free Prayer Line. They would pray for people because she went through a series of challenges physically, had cancer, and the cancer went in remission. She started the church, the prayer line, and the church grew, became 45 people when I came along. And I came around in 19, uh, became the pastor in 1981, married Diane in 1980, but met them in 1979. So I have been around for a while. The church has been around for a good while. The average church doesn't last, but maybe about 40 years, some, some studies say. And so we're already seven years on the other side. Most church is collapsing. I'm glad that we're doing well, but that's how long the church has been around. Hey, Pastor Rick, I also have a question. If God has a God, do you know who it is? Well, that's a great question, but the answer is pretty easy. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter four, five and six that there's only one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one Lord. Uh, there's no other God but me. Deuteronomy six talks about that. There's only one Lord. There's nobody else. One God, one. Only one. Uh, there are other gods who pretend to be God, but there's no other God. And no one made him. No one created him. He was the only one. He is the beginning of all things. The Bible says this. He's the almighty. The Bible says that he is the beginning and the end. The Bible says that he is the alpha and the omega. So there's no other God. So that's the answer to that question. Pastor, I have a question. What did you actually want to be when you grew up? So what did I want to be when I grew up? Ah, not a preacher. <laughs> I can promise you that. That was never on my mind, never crossed my mind. Not one time. I wanted to be a, a policeman, uh, some kind of law enforcement, maybe FBI, CIA, uh, some kind of law enforcement. And I thought about maybe being a local police officer, but my real dream was to work in some law enforcement. I discovered that that was not what I should be. I often have been privileged to do these orientation classes with new recruits for, for the police departments. 
And uh, one of the recruits, one of the things that I've done, um, especially for the county departments, is um, talk about the challenge of burnout among officers. And I've been allowed to, to share many, many classes with them. And one of the things that we do during the q and I'll tell them that I wanted to be a police officer. And they'll always ask me, why did you decide not to be? And I said, I realized that the way you have to think and function to be one, I think I could have been one if I really wanted to be. But I found that this is better for me. I'm better on this side, helping them do what they do, praying them through, encouraging them, counseling them, than being on the inside. So I, I believe for me that this was an amazing opportunity for me. I became something I never dreamed I would be. I'm doing things I never thought I would do. I never saw myself as a teacher. I never saw myself as an academic. I never saw myself getting a bunch of degrees, ever, never, <laughs> never, ever. But I'm really impressed and thankful that God helped me get to the place I want to be. I'll tell you this, though. As you go, kids, and to, to your dream, remember, he guides you as you go. But you have to let him in. You have to allow him in your thinking process. So for me, I've arrived at the dream that has amazed me. Next question. Pastor Rick, I have a question. Why, why did God die on the cross? Well, that's a great question about why did God die on the cross. I love the fact that you acknowledge that the Bible teaches, I believe, that Jesus was incarnate. God came back in the flesh. John chapter 1, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was God, and the Word, verse 14, became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld the glory of the Father. I believe that Jesus' coming was because of our sinfulness. Romans chapter 3, verse 23 says, All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Jesus came because of that, because we were sinners and we needed forgiveness. So he came to save us from our sins. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. What's really powerful about that verse is the, in, the, in the Greek, when the, it talks about perishing, it's in what's called the middle voice in the language, which means, and if you didn't know, the Bible was written in Greek, right? New Testament was Greek. Old Testament was Aramaic and Hebrew, just for the, those who want to know. But in the language, there's something called the middle voice. So if I say I hit myself, the word hit would be in the middle voice because I did it to me. And the word perish is in the middle voice. And it really means that God wanted to stop you from causing yourself to perish. That's why he came. So he came because we were in trouble, going down, 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 girl. We were going down. And Jesus came to save us. That's why he had to down the cross for our sins. He stepped in between what we did right and wrong, really what we did wrong, to help us find forgiveness in God's grace. And so that's why he came and died, to save you and me. I hope that answers your question. Pastor Rick, I have a question. How did you come up with this church? Hey, another church question. How did I come up with the church? Well, I didn't come up with the church. The church was founded, as I said earlier, by Ernestine Dilworth. She is the founder of the church. She's amazing. And um, the church was gathered in, in a home. I came after they were established. And I've been here for a long time. I've been here for knocking on 42 years. But uh, I didn't found the church. I am the guy who has preached and stayed the longest, but I have not did not found the church. But it's going well. And I got plans for us to go a lot further. Pastor, I have a question. What is your idea of what Jesus looked like? So you want to know what Jesus looked like? 
Well, he looked like a normal person, a regular normal person from that part of the world. Uh, he wasn't Asian. He was not a uh, dark African. I, I would not think so. I would think that he was whatever a Middle Eastern looked like. And they can't be darker. They're more darker in color if you want to just get, a, get into the color thing. What I think is fascinating is how for us, looks really defines everything. In this culture, you know, it's black, white, Asian, Hispanic. It's divided that way. In Jesus' day, it really wasn't. It was more about Jew and Gentile. It was about wealth and poverty. Those are the measurements they used. Uh, so I hope you help. I hope it helps you see uh, that Jesus looked like a normal person. Pastor, I would like to ask you, why is his name Jesus? Oh boy, you want to know about his name. <laughs> the name of Jesus is a special name, but it was a common name in his day. It was not uncommon for someone to say Jesus or Joshua. They were very similar and used interchangeably. But what's powerful is in the Bible, it's elevated. Philippians chapter 2, verse 10 says this. It says that every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus is the Lord. And so there is something powerful about the name of Jesus when applied to Jesus Christ, the Lord, our Lord. So if a person has the name Jesus as a casual name like they did in that day, it's not the same. But this name was tied to a person who came and died for our sins. God manifested in the flesh. So that's the power in Jesus name. And that's what the Bible said. Philippians chapter two, verse 10, every knee will bow to that name. That's what the Bible says about the name. Pastor Rick, I have a question. Why are demons bad? So why are angels bad? Because they choose to be. They choose to be bad. There's two verses I want you to just know about. It's Matthew chapter 25, verse 41. And then it talk, that talks about them being rebellious and, and why they end up being punished because they choose to be bad. They choose to side with the, what the Bible calls the devil, a literal person who chose to rebel against God and an angel who lived in heaven with God who decided to rebel. And so these were those who sided with him. And that talks, that's mentioned again in the book of Revelations, chapter 12, verse 7. And the Bible says it was a big fight and the archangel Michael kicked them out of heaven. And so that, my friend, is how it all started. They decided to be bad. They decided to not listen. They decided, uh, the book of Isaiah even talks about it. They, de they decided to be like God. They wanted to be the rulers. They wanted to take charge of heaven. It's like a coup d'etat, right? <laughs> <laughs> and because they wouldn't listen to God, they have chosen to rebel against God. And that's why how they started to be bad. They made a decision the same way people do. They made a decision. So the key thing for us to learn from that is don't make that same kind of decision. So think about that. I think that's a fair answer to the question. I hope that helps. Pastor Wick, I have a question. How was God made? So how was God made? Well, let's be clear. The Bible says there's no other God before me, Isaiah 43 and 10. So there was no other God. He says, I am Alpha, I am Omega. I am the beginning and I am the end. It all starts with him. So it's hard for us to understand that because we have a beginning and an end, a birth and a death. But that's not how God is. God is infinite. He's without end, without beginning. He is the Alpha and the beginning. And uh, so that is... Uh, in the, in the Hebrew language, you know, the, the A to Z, we say A to Z, they say Alpha and Omega. He says, I am the beginning and I am the end. So there was no beginning. He is the beginning of all things. There was no God 
He said, before me. So I hope that answers your question. Uh, Pastor, I have a question. Uh, if you had to choose from world hunger and saving homeless people, which one would you choose? Well, that's a unique question. <laughs> I have to say, and I'm not dodging it. I'm, this is my honest answer. I have to choose both. I cannot choose one over the other. Here's a verse that I want you to hear. It's Matthew chapter 25. It's a great verse. Here's what it says. Matthew 25, 36, 35. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was stranger. You invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to me. And that, my friend, is what I, the Bible says is righteous. Then the righteous, the Bible goes on to say, will say, when do we do this? And he goes on to say, when you do it to the least of these, you do it to me. So I am saying to you, I have to choose both. I cannot just choose one. I've got to help everybody. That means I've got to have two hands and I can do more than one thing at a time, right? I don't have to choose one over the other. But that's a great question. And I promise you, our church is committed to doing all of that. It's not just about preaching and getting people saved. What I love about your question is it says, how important is it to do something practical? Not just pray for people to get saved, come to Christ, know Jesus, dance in church. It's got to be more than that. You got to go out into the community and make a real difference. That is what true Christianity is about. And that's what we're about. So I hope that helps you. And I hope that's the answer to your question. And I want you to remember, questions are always good. They help you find answers. I love questions because questions show you what people are thinking about. And this person's thinking, this is just thinking about helping people in practical ways. And that's the way we need to all think. Thank you for all your questions. They mean a lot to me. God bless. Thank you.